everybody's talking about revival, but what is a revival? And are they overrated? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people like you who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, culture critic, optimistic party pooper. And with me, as always, is my sweetly skeptical co-host. Nathan Clark's an actor, author, filmmaker, and, well, you already said it, I'm very (laughs) sweetly skeptical, (laughs) which means I'm skeptical of most claims uh, to begin with. Um, I will be kind about it, but I will be skeptical and persistent about you proving the validity of your claims before I am expected to take them on as truth. Yes, but very charming about it, as you said, which which balances it out. Yes. But yes, and so on that, of course, today we're going to be talking about Revival. Oh, Uh, boy. Yes, exactly. Because no one's been talking about this. No no one at all. (laughs) That's the thing is we're greedy. If other people are talking about it, we have to say, no, no, no. You have to listen to us. We have to exactly. Um, But uh, yeah, but anyway, first... Uh, Nathan, if people enjoy this episode and want to engage more uh, with our content and uh, connect with other fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? Go to the Overthinkers where they can find out more about their hosts instead of all of their love and hate mail. Uh, they can also connect with other other overthinkers like themselves on the Facebook Overthinker page. It's a private page where we post memes and articles and get into great discussions with 10,000 plus other overthinkers like yourself about the topics we discuss here in the podcast we love to have you please join uh if you do enjoy the podcast please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend god told me that it's his will that you do this so uh, there you go (laughs) sorry (laughs) oh man um yeah no that's that's, that's, anyway well this will we'll definitely we'll definitely get into all this um all right. Uh, so yeah, ready to uh, ready to get started? Let's do it. Cool. Well, as we alluded to earlier, everyone today is talking about revival. TV preachers are claiming we're in a time of revival. Asbury College recently had a week-long church service in February of 2023 this year that many people are calling the start of a revival. The new faith-based film Jesus Revolution, which chronicled the Jesus movement revival of the 1970s, has become Liongate Studios' highest-grossing film since 2019 after bagging $40 million at the American box office. Multiple news outlets are featuring pieces explaining or discussing revival. From Atlantic's America is Due for Revival, Time Magazine's What Asbury Christian Revival Says About America's Need for Connection, Gospel Coalition's Nine Things You Should Know About Revivals in America, and the Center for Hebraic Thoughts, a Pentecostal's Biblical Reflections on the Asbury Revival. Revivals have a long history in America and the church, but despite this, there isn't really a huge amount of consensus around the term. J.I. Packer defined revival as God's quickening visitation of his people, touching their hearts and deepening his work of grace in their lives. In the Evangelical Dictionary of World Missions, Earl Cairns defines it as the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring the people of God to a more vital spiritual life, witness, and work by prayer in uh, word of repentance and crisis for, for their spiritual decline. The word revival is never used in the Bible, although a pattern in scripture emerges of Israel falling away from devotion to God and then returning to the same devotion to God. Part of the anxiety and hope for revival in America today comes from Christianity's steady shrinking over the past century, punctuated by in, in the Western world and uh, America in particular. Uh, punctuated by a new uh, Pew Research study claiming that if nothing changes, Christianity in America will face irreversible decline, a a trend that is um, parallel throughout the Western world. America has had multiple renewals described as revivals uh, throughout its history, including the First Great Awakening, which led to the American Revolution, the Second Great Awakening, which led to the American Abolition Movement, the Businessman's Revival of 1857, and the Azusa Street Revival of 1906, which led to the birth of the Pentecostal Movement. Many Christians excitedly wait for revivals, seeing them as the work of the Holy Spirit to restore the culture to Christian devotion and values. Others are more skeptical of revivals, like the recent Asbury Revival. Even Christians like author and podcast host Alicia Childers, who's own father was saved during the Jesus movement, who spoke of the problems of revival cultures where emotions and emotional experiences rather than fidelity to scripture are used as the test that God is moving. So Nathan, you and I are very open about the fact that we're both Christians. 
Yet, we both often find ourselves skeptical of different parts of Christianity, as I personally think is is helpful. Um, What are your thoughts on revival? How do you define it? Do you think we're in one? Do you pray for revival? Or do you look at revivals with more skepticism and caution? Oh, boy. Well, this... (laughs) this might be <laughs> this might be the place where everyone starts to hate me, and I mean, well, the remaining people who don't <laughs> exactly, hate yes. will begin hating me. Um, so again, I want to preface this with: I could be wrong. I'm I'm not one of the guys who like I know I'm right. I'm just going to give you my opinion, how I think. Maybe I'll think differently at some point. Maybe I'll see evidence or or whatever of something that will change my mind. So take all this with a grain of salt. This is just how I'm seeing it currently. Um, I'm giving myself the allowance to grow and to understand new things. But as I see it right now, uh, this term revival is something I'm very familiar with. It's been something for as long as I've been going in the non-denominational church, which has been most of my life, especially most of my adult life. I've, you know, since I I, uh, moved out um, on my own, uh, I have been to churches all across the country, particularly in New York and LA and most of the non-denominational, you know, the basic run of the mill Christian churches. And there is a theme throughout many of them uh, where there's a heavy, what I, I guess one author that you mentioned would say heavy culture and verbiage around this idea of revival. So one of the things I was always trying to figure out is, you know, in, in all this revival talk that would happen from the pulpit in the conversations and Bible studies, that the thing we should be praying for and hoping for and, and all this, I, I was always trying to understand what exactly it meant because it, very often it seems nebulous to me, this idea. Mm-hmm. And I would go to scripture and like you pointed out, there was no definition of revival because there was no mention of revival. And so I was kind of piecing together what people meant by revival. And even still I am in all the articles are around Asbury and, and different places. That, and I guess at, so I, I came to kind of my own understanding of what I believe people are talking about when they talk mm-hmm. about revival. And the, the most generous explanation I could figure out was they believed that revival was typically something that started within a church service Mm-hmm. Um, or, or or a church community that was evidenced by uh, people having high emotion, mm-hmm. um, being being slain in the spirit, being feeling something very strong, and that gathering crowds and more and more people. It was kind of this almost epidemic of mm-hmm. high emotion desire for God, mm-hmm. and that's the most generous um, uh, uh, definition that I kind of figure out the. The, the less generous definition was it seemed to me that it was a a desire for cultural influence over mass amounts of people mm-hmm. that a lot of people would begin to think like we did and that we would begin to have cultural influence again. So oftentimes I'd hear someone say, we need revival in this country. They would go on to say things that would um, basically imply that we need to be in charge, that people mm-hmm. need to believe like us. And so I started having kind of these... what. Is this good? Because again, it's not found in scripture. The idea maybe of, of revival is, and is this something that is real? Is it good? And so I have a lot of mixed emotions when it comes to revival. And you know, when, when I see things like Asbury, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who's like, nah, it's all fake. It's uh, you know, I, I hate that. I hate sitting off to the side and pointing fingers and being that bitter person. So that's not what I want to do, but I do have concerns. And I'll, and I'll tell you a few of the current concerns and I'll let you jump in. Sure. One, my concerns are, I've seen this as a regular thing out in and outside of the revival speak, that the evidence to many Christians now of God and, and the main source of evidence of a godly life, a, 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 whatever it might be, is based on emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people who aren't turning to scripture, who aren't turning to the day in, day out practice of Christianity and um, rather, they're opting for, if they're going to talk about God's presence, it's going to be an emotional uh, feeling of his presence rather than the reality of him appearing inside your works and day-to-day practices mm-hmm. and things like that. Because our Catholic friends would know very well. Um, so that was one thing that does worry me, especially modern Christian culture, is the high value of emotionalism. Because mm-hmm. emotionalism is something that can... Um, it can feel great. And I, I think there's mm-hmm. a purpose for it. And I think emotions are great and wonderful, but I don't think they're the end all be all of a definitional um, 
uh, objective understanding of God's mm -hmm. presence. And I think if we base everything on emotion, um, uh, well, <laughs> many bad things can happen, but one <laughs> is we will ne neglect the actual, like I say, a difficult work of practice. And what I typically liken this to is if you want to have a, a good marriage, yes, emotion and attraction is a good, wonderful thing, but that's, but we've seen the bachelor and the, the yeah. rates of divorce post bachelor where there's high emotion are pretty high. What keeps a marriage together. If you look at the statistics and the studies is the day in day out mm -hmm. practice, the combining of values, the, the mutual dedication um, to a long term relationship. And what I see in a lot of uh, particularly Protestant churches now is that if you're going to base your entire faith off of emotion, emotions leave. And mm -hmm. what are you left with? And so I think, you know, one of the reasons we're seeing a huge decline in church right now is because we basically said, we basically set it up on God is there as long as you feel him. And a lot of people stop feeling that after a while and say, well, I'm out because um, I guess God isn't with me. So I do worry about the emotionalistic aspect of most of the revivals that we hear coming through. The 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 thing that worries me more is, and I've seen this, we've talked about this in, in reference to movies and, and books and Christian culture in general, is there seems to be a, a great thought for cultural appreciation, acceptance, and influence. Hmm. So basically, I think a lot of Christians right now feel that there's this war going on um, with secular culture. Hmm. And so with that comes a natural desire for power, for mm -hmm. to not be oppressed or, or, mm -hmm. or controlled or maligned or dismissed. And so revival promises numbers. That's one of the things sure. that I almost find is always find is associated with the talk around revival it promises, numbers and people and movement, which basically essentially implies that if we get this together, we'll have a place in society and they'll have to listen to us. They'll take us seriously. Um, they will will have power again. We'll be in places where we influence them rather than them owning the culture. And I think that is that kind of talk goes straight to a, a I'd say a bad part of human nature that isn't a part of Christianity. Yes, we want to influence culture for the better, absolutely. But your faith is just as real whether three people or ten billion people believe it. And vying for cultural pre pre uh, appreciation and power, I think, is a dangerous road to go down so those are just a few of my initial thoughts on it uh i have yeah. way more and those are kind of vague i'll make them specific but i want to hear your thoughts on kind of this, on all this yeah so um so first kind of to our audience you know who a lot of whom not all but a lot of them are christians and uh and and enjoy our, our sort of you know us integrating that into our our philosophy i kind of want to say that you know um both nathan and i you know um we have some kind of coming at this from different angles, but we do have sort of have a similar skepticism toward some of this. And, you know, I want to say that if, if, if you're, if you don't agree with that and you're kind of turned off by that, like the two Christians who are uh, Christian young guys who are like being skeptical about it, I kind of want to just um, sort of uh, uh, ask you to listen to what we're saying. And um, at the very least, maybe be helpful for you to understand why some people are skeptical even some Christians are skeptical so that you can then maybe better, you know, uh, explain your case as to why, at least, you know, if you disagree, maybe think of this as an opportunity to, um, to just understand a different perspective better, I guess. So my, my thing is, oh yeah, I have a similar that I, you know, I've, I grew up in, in a, with less emphasis kind of on revival in, in the Christian circles I ran in, you know, again, I grew up Episcopal and still, uh, and, but some still somehow Christian, um, which is a joke. I never tire of, of making. Um, but, uh, uh, and so it was a very Anglican kind of, you know, environment. There was less emphasis on revival there. Um, but as I kind of got into more evangelical circles, uh, and some Pentecostal circles, I saw a lot more emphasis on revival and, <clears throat> I will say kind of even even more sort of charitably kind of than you uh, uh, than you talked about, you know, what I sort of saw was, you know, there's there's a sense in which as Christianity declines, um, the world kind of gets worse, you know, in the sense that, you know, uh, you know, in, in a culture that's not acknowledging God and is not um, uh, it not uh, adhering to Christian values, um you know, immorality and and problems in the culture start to grow again in problematic ways, and and the way that that turns around is through um, Christian values kind of coming back into the into the mainstream, and 
And because in the Bible, there is this pattern of, you know, a culture, you know, honoring God and then, you know, falling away and then a return to God, there is this idea of, oh, well, we, we need that in our culture today, that, 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 uh, that return. And, and um, I will say though, you know, the people, the, the difficulty I've had, and again, this is sort of beyond the emotionalism. And, and and again, you can disagree with their analysis of the situation, whether the world is getting worse or better without Christian values. But internally, I think that that's um, fairly makes sense. Um, but what I, beyond sort of the emotionalism aspect, one of the things that was always difficult for me watching sort of the conversations around revival is that they kept promising revival was just around the corner. <laughs> And yeah, it, it wouldn't be like it was just like, OK, when it's like, well, it's it's just about to happen. It's like, OK, two years, three years, four years. Revival's coming. Yeah. Revival's coming. And it just it just kept being revivals coming. And and even I would go back and I would look at, you know, old Billy Graham crusades and I would watch all these people come and dedicate their lives to Christ. And it's like we're we're going revival in this country. And it's like it. It didn't, and it was like that was back in the 60s, 70s. Like if, like what if, if like this revival that people are talking about, you know, is happening, is coming and happen. If this is demonstration of it, um, why does the world look the way it is? Why? And and I and this only accentuated as I looked more into the data and saw that, um, that throughout the 20th century, you know, the numbers of Christianity, you know, continued to decline, even with all, you know the Jesus movement, even with all the Billy Graham crusades, none of those follow the pattern of the Bible, which is, oh, there's decline. And then there's a restoration or revival that happens. Um, And uh, none of that. It was just, oh, just steady decline. And maybe, and then as I looked further back through history of America, let alone, you know, the West in general, what I saw is an incredibly steady decline, even with all these supposed revivals and awakenings that happen, there would be maybe a slight uptick. And then, a downward trend. And so I just, I sort of lost trust in people, A, who claimed that revival was happening, um, or, and, and B, that revival as these people like saying, oh, this was a revival. That was a wolf. Well, all of these things are revivals and none of them have reversed the trend, which is what you're praying for. You're praying for revival to reverse the trend, both, you know, in terms of numbers of Christians and as you said, Christian influence, whether or not that's for power or for the good of society, you know, however terribly these things that you're claiming are going to do that historically haven't done that on a sustained basis. And so that has sort of kind of given me sort of revival fatigue to Syria and also lack of trust that it it will it can deliver on what you are claiming that it will deliver on it's a great way to yeah well okay so i'll i've been reading i don't know why um (laughs) i just want to torture myself i've been reading i should save this for a bless i'll bless the bible uh last year i read (laughs) the book of jeremiah and uh this year i'm reading um through isaiah and i'm reading slowly i'm reading carefully because i i want to get it because i these are important books and they talk about what you are talk- talking about this, this idea of falling away from and coming back to God, right? And this yeah. idea that a lot of people are using as a model for, quote, revival. Yeah. And what I notice is that in God's, quote, revival, and yeah. Isaiah, found Isaiah and Jeremiah, the, the things that he promises are very different than the things that I hear most megachurch pastors promise mm. in revival. As you pointed out, um, Christianity was on a steady decline throughout the 20th century, and none of the revivals did anything, even though they promised that, okay, if there's revival, the whole nation will turn. We've heard this yeah. before, right? The nation will turn back to me, and it didn't, and it never has, and it still hasn't. Um, and no, by the way, we haven't seen any any blip after the Asbury revival no. in the turning of hearts back towards God on any grand um, scale that, that would affect the, uh, the statistics. And so what I noticed in Jeremiah and Isaiah is – the revival is very small and that and mm. God is not concerned with every single nation in, in the world turning to him. Do you know who he's concerned with his very small, very particular, very finicky um, nation of Israel. 
that's who he's talking about. He's not talking about social influence and power and making the nations uh, become Christian. He's talking about his nation of Israel. And every time he's he's speaking about be it Hosea, be it Jeremiah, be it Isaiah, he's talking to the nation of Israel who he wants to return to him. And so that kind of gives me an idea of if we're going to move to New Testament understanding of what that will look like, I, I personalize it into God wanting to see revival in the individual, in the person, in the small person that he sees um, that he wants to follow him. And so I think where I, I, cause I love the idea of redemption. I love that idea mm-hmm. of people falling away and then coming back. That's beautiful. And so I, I understand the desire for revival. So my only, my, my thing is maybe we can change our perspective a little bit and see rather than the evidence of revival being some cultural shift where all of America is now Christian. We now live in a theocracy mm-hmm. rather, I would rather see, um, we start seeing evidence of quote revival in our own lives. Cause you know, I've experienced revival myself mm-hmm. individually when I have fallen away from God and I have gone my own way and I have um, uh, done my own thing and, and kind of mm-hmm. rejected his ways. And then I had a moment in which I came back to him and it wasn't in a worship service at church. Um, not that it can't be, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't, um, a, a great a grand cultural shift. It was in an apartment, or it was in a park. As I was suddenly confronted with what I who I was becoming, I didn't like it, and I wanted to turn back towards God. It, it was these small moments of revival that happened throughout my life, and I think for me that's a more beautiful and realistic thing to look for when it comes to the idea of revival. Expecting revival to bring about some cultural shift, I think, is probably a misplaced hope that the entire world will think like us and believe like us. In fact, all through the New Testament, all the all the disciples and the apostles say after Jesus' death, and Jesus did too, is, no, you're going to be persecuted. The whole world will hate you. There wasn't a lot of talk about um, the entire world is going to eventually be revived and and think like us and talk like us and we'll be in power and, and all of uh, uh, society is going to agree with us. Rather, it's the idea that when you become a Christian, it's going to be something that you are doing, um, I, I don't know, to, to against the tide of, of culture. Mm-hmm. It's it's not, you know, if that makes sense, that it's something that happens on the individual. And so that that's the way I kind of look at it. So I guess one of my problems that I, that I wonder is that's going on. Let's see the Asbury thing. When I hear about the evidence that God is moving, I, you know, mm-hmm. it's, Oh, it's sure. a really long concert and people are having high emotion. Sure. So that means revival. Um, under those definitions, there are revivals at Taylor Swift concerts mm-hmm. where people are under high emotion and spend hundreds and hundreds of, and in tens of thousands of people show up. Um, and so I don't like those definitions. One, it's just an emotional high. Um, and two, it's evidenced by a lot of people stayed at a concert a long time. That doesn't seem to me to be a great barometer for mm-hmm. judging the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, number two, I think that it does a disservice to the people who actually go uh, very often, promise that they'll meet God, because it's far more easy to feel like you're meeting God in a moment where you're surrounded by pretty people who are um, all worshiping and there's emotional music going Mm -hmm. on and you feel like you're part of something, not to mention all the attention it got from Mm -hmm. every news outlet around the world, not to mention everyone there seemed to want to take a picture and post it on their Instagram and how much social cloud it got you. Um, To me, that, that doesn't seem like the revival that God spoke of in the Old Testament or that we that we even see in the New Testament. To me, that seems like a social marketing scheme that works really well because if you notice, it only took off the Asbury um, revival once about four or five really huge Christian influencers posted about how great it was. And having been someone who has marketed movies and books, mm-hmm. I know how to market things and I know what it takes. And it usually takes getting influencers to post about a thing, and then it takes off. There's nothing wrong with that inherently, but I don't think that we should use it as evidence that a good marketing strategy worked as evidence that um, the Holy Spirit is necessarily involved. My worry is that people will go to this and have an experience. Uh, That's good if you have an experience with God, but it will be an emotional high and that you will tie the entirety of understanding and connecting with Mm -hmm. and feeling God to a feeling rather than what happens the next day what happens in a a month when you don't get that feeling of the worship service you were encountering what 
where does that what happens when you're not surrounded by thousands of people you don't get that social clout you don't get the pat on the back you don't get the music and the the emotional highs does that mean that god is no longer here does that mean it, so i think a lot of times what happens is people something the return rate to this is very <laughs> low because it was all based on emotion so i that's back to my initial comment but i guess i'll, I'll end with this and i'll let you jump in my worry if we put too much emphasis on on social revivals one it's too emotional it's only mm. emotional emotions are good um, but they're an additive to an objective reality um uh and two that it does seem that people are using this for um money you know uh, mm. i i hesitate to say this but in the marketing um for the jesus revolution sure. i literally saw the ad say um do you want to experience revival like the one in Asbury will come see our movie. And so to me that says, well, revival is good for Christians making money too. And mm. know what Jesus said about <laughs> making money off of his name and in, in, in his house. And that scares me um, to be someone who would be a part of that. That seems manipulative if I'm being completely honest. Sure. Yeah. Um, and number three is what I want to see is not people just have an emotional high. That can be a great entrance. And what I want to see is people's lives changed and mm -hmm. people's lives changed. Don't get changed in a moment. They don't get changed mm -hmm. by a song um, in a, an emotional high. They get changed by an everyday, every second, mm -hmm. long-term practice over an, the in, entirety of a life. They mm -hmm. get changed by digging into scripture every single day and understanding and knowing God. They get changed by making those hard decisions of confession and forgiveness mm -hmm. and generosity and dedication every single day. And that doesn't happen if all we ever do is promise an emotional high in a moment. We won't see a change because we're not actually giving people the tools to create change. We're giving them tools to experience a high they can experience at Taylor Swift concerts. So, okay, I'm getting off my soapbox. <laughs> yes. So, so I, I have, so you summarizing sort of what you said, there's sort of two kind of problems you have with this one is that you think that God is more concerned about the individual than nations and cultures. And that's, we should be focusing on individual transformation rather than cultural transformation. And the, the second, church is always going to be a minority. Sure. And the second is that, um, uh, the focus on emotion as sign of, um, as a sign of, um, uh, you know, uh, as a sign God's of revival yeah, of spirituality, then, yeah. um, than other the uh than the will and uh discipline and actions of lives and scripture so um i think I, I i will push back on the first one again in the old testament and um to some degree also the new testament you know god talks a lot about nations not just israel talking you know like it's yeah. whether the story of nineveh whether the story it's like reason i'm kicking out these nations for you is because um because they turned away from me in some really important ways he talks sure. it, he talks much in fact it, you know you, you could argue that um a lot of, in the old testament he talks a lot more about nations than he does about individuals they think that the new testament starts to shift more towards individuals. in a way, in a in a way, way yeah, yeah. Uh, but even but at least it, it's not exclusive it's like okay they, he cares about both in the new testament also there is a sense which hey you know uh and biblical scholars will agree on this like jesus is proclaiming a new kingdom and he wants people to spread that kingdom throughout all the nations of the world um and and for it to grow to all the nations of the world and whether yeah. or not he's expecting them to be um eternally a minority group in all those or not um, I think is maybe up in the air, but it is intended. Let me let me clarify okay, really sure. quickly because you're sure, right. Sure, that, yeah. Those are really okay. good points. So uh, one, you're absolutely right. Um, I don't disagree with any of that. I guess what I'm trying to get at is over and over again in Isaiah and Jeremiah, he talks about, he says, my people have returned to me. Sure, yeah. And my chosen people, he talks about sure. the chosen people. And we understand in the New Testament, the chosen people are now the church, right? Right, yes. Um, and so his goal throughout the Old Testament wasn't establishing um, cultural influence over everyone. It was it, his goal was having his people return to him. Sure. Listen, God desires everyone come to right. him. He, wa he wants us to go out and share the good news with everyone. But he also knows the reality that many, many, many people are going to reject him. Sure. And the, the, that Christianity will... And th this is said all through the New Testament will be in the minority. Will be going against almost every culture, and that's been true since its inception. Um, when you be, when you follow Christ, and that's just the reality. That's the reality that Paul knew, that Jesus experienced, that they all experienced. 
even though he wishes everyone would turn to him, of course, mm-hmm. and everyone has that opportunity. Um, but that's just not the reality. So to me, the idea of Israel turning back to God is the same idea of the church turning back to God. It's not about sure. we're going to show culture and we're going to become, you know, uh, uh, own own nation. It's about um, I want to see my my people. Sure. And that's you turn back to me. Yes. I'm um, again, I, I think I don't know that. um I don't know that the Bible is always clear that the church is always going to be a minority and wherever it is at the very least. I mean, again, that's not been true in uh, many parts of human history, you know, in different places. I mean, so I think that I don't know that that's an inevitable part that we're always going to be fighting against human nature and the world, so to speak, because the world is, is always pulling us toward, towards sin. And great. And even again, even if you have a church culture, that's, I got, I got the England that's, you know, Christian it's uh, the, the, the faithful minority is maybe going to be minority, but I will well, say it's also one of the most atheistic cultures. Well, well now it is. It wasn't always that way, you know? So, it's, yeah. so I was, but, but I was like, so I, I will say, I maybe push back on the whole, like the focus on, Hey, wanting our culture to, um, to be more, have, have be a, a larger, more largely Christian than it is right now. Um, and to more fully reflect values that we think are Christ-like, I think is not a bad thing. I think, you know, again, and, no, if, you, no. and if you look at like awake, the great, the second great awakening, which oftentimes Christians um, point to, you know, that did again, like we said, lead to the abolitionist movement, which helped, you know, overturn yeah, slavery. True, and so true. a lot of times the picture in people's heads is we have, you know, insert social issue here, you know, <laughs> and it's like, what we need is something like the Second Great Awakening, where people have a return to, oh my gosh, let's smash these idols to use sort of an Israel. Sure, sure. Kind of no, no, that makes and, sense. Yeah. Um, and of course, you're right. I mean, there is the whole, hey, we want political power, we want things like that. But I'm I'm sort of trying to see if this holds up in its best light. Um, but uh, but so so that was maybe I'll push back or at yeah, least add you're you're giving a good devil's advocate defense of it. Yes. Yeah, so like it's like that's but um so like I think that's that's fair. To your second point, I kind of have to wholeheartedly agree with in the sense that there is a sort of Western, um, modern, at least the past sort of 500 years of Christianity, at least the past couple of centuries of Christianity in America that um, defines, um, what is it? It defines life change in the individual and corporate change as happening as a result of something hap- something happening to you um whether it's the holy spirit coming upon you or whether and at usually evidenced by an extreme emotional state that then yes a, a work happens within you because of that that naturally causes you to change almost without you trying because of something that happens to you as evidenced by an emotional state that and and that's when when revivals are talked about like let's take out you know the whole concept of revival and what happens sort of in in Israel or whatever and to to your point christians should always be careful to when when transferring israel to america or to the church just because you have to figure out well what stuff applies just to them and what applies so of course so, yes absolutely but but you're right but just to say that um israel uh but to say is that that the how it manifests is you know, we 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 work ourselves to an emotional state where then the Holy Spirit comes down on us and then it causes us to change. And, you know, the emotion causes the discipline of the Christian life um, Yeah. rather than. And the thing is, you and I agree, I'm skeptical that that's actually how human beings work, that you get you get into a high emotional state and then that causes you to be disciplined. It's kind of like sort of the whole rom-com of the 90s particularly it's like oh my gosh we have these high emotional infatuations with each other and that is going to be enough to cause us to have an that that's the person you should marry because that's what's going to cause you to be able to weather the storms of the future when but it we've seems- done longitudinal studies yes, like exactly. this by the, by the way but and we've got to watch them on tv it's called the bachelor that's yes, literally exactly. a longitudinal yeah. study about high emotion and its effect on romance is longevity, and it well, doesn't work. Well, that, and that's the thing is, I always point out, like you know, the reason the rom com died is because people tried out the rom com of the '90s map for yeah. for love and romance, and it didn't work. Um, and and so you know, I I think that that idea of like 
you know, again, I have people who say like, oh my gosh, look, I'm seeing this really long worship service where people are, you know, again, like the Taylor Swift concert or like, you know, the Avengers movie premiere, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, which I, I will, I maintain almost every Avengers movie, at least the best ones are worship experiences. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's going on. Whether, oh, yeah. you know, but by the, the way, real quick, I want to say there's nothing wrong with no, yeah. a, a worship service. And no. I'm sure Asbury was great and would have been a lot of fun to be there. Right. I'm I'm worried about the things that were said about it and around yeah. it. Well, it, it, it went to Asbury looked like it was a lot of fun. Well, yeah. And again, I think, but the, the, again, what you and I are skeptical of is, is that the thing that will deliver what you promised? Um, and what you're promising yes. is, uh, is, is um, now the thing is there's a lot of people who have those emotional experiences and that gives them a revelation that they can use then to make a decision to um to create discipline and that happens sure. to individuals um you see this with the jesus movement you see this i mean yeah you, you see this even with you know romance where it's like i meet somebody i have a really amazing emotional experience with them and i say you know i'm gonna make a decision to be disciplined in this um but i will say this so in my study what's interesting again like i'm looking at this and say because i'm interested in you know christianity not disappearing within a couple generations which you know does appearing to be and in america and that appears to be happening you know because you know people like the church is just not retaining people and young people the kids are leaving the faith and all those things like that and so i'm looking at this and i'm looking at the fact that you know but like again over the past 500 years basically the church has been in decline and with every great awakening you know a bunch of people come in and a bunch of you know uh a bunch of people you know and then people just leave and i i've and this is sort of what i've decided is that it's much more important to worry and to pray for and to work toward and understand the problem of church retention than it is to uh, be concerned about revival. Because this is the reality. This is the demographic reality. Um, religious people have more kids than, you know, non-religious people do. It's like everybody knows that. Um, if you could just solve the problem A lot of kids. Yeah, exactly. It's not even close. If you could just solve the problem of um religious kids leaving the faith you would outbreed secularism within like a couple generations like you know and so it's like for me i'm kind of looking at this story i'm saying christians if i have to choose between solving the problem of church retention and solving the problem of of like how do we get another revival um i i'm just like i just i work worry about the problem of church retention all the way and i think that that's where we should be putting more of our energies as a church is like, why are people leaving? Um, uh, and, and that's a very complex issue. And I, I will say, I'll say this one more thing, you know, to, to, to your point. Um, there's a lot of people who are pro revival and I've had a lot of conversations with people who are pro revival because I don't know if that people may have known, but I wrote a review of Jesus revolution where I talked about a lot of these, these things and people yeah. were not always very happy about it. Um, so, <laughs> I think you got more pushback on that than like almost any article. Anything, yes. <laughs> more, yeah. So, um, uh, they, so my, um, and so, and I've got also got invited on friend podcast, Alyssa Block. We've had her on the show before, got it, and on her show to discuss kind of the issues of revival. You should wa definitely watch that. It's the deep dive on Alyssa's movie takes. Um, and there was some good, I got some good pushback on that. Um, but the, the issue is I, I get a lot from people who are saying, you asking questions about the effectiveness of revival and showing charts that are like all these revivals have not stopped the decline that you're saying revival is the answer to that will prevent God's work, um, you know, in revival. And like that will stop people from experiencing revival yeah. by you doing that. And I have a couple of problems with that. First of all, like I, if I can stop God's work that there's a problem there, you know, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, um, that, you know, I, but also it, to me, it's a tacit admission that um, that it's a it's a movement of emotions and not God. Because if because if it's a movement of emotions, analytical reasoning can you know can cut it short. But if it's a movement of God, analytical reasoning it only holds up under analytical reasoning. Um, and I think that um, you know, uh, so I think that that's a kind of a a, a problem that I have with that. So I guess my kind of thing about revivals is, and, and again, 
people have always said revival. Like there's been people who sort of defined revival as revival, like renewal is an individual revival as a community awakening as a culture and things like that, which is fair enough. That's a way you can kind of talk about that. But if, if I think for me, um, I would much rather see people solve the plot problem of church retention than revival. Um, and then once you have church, a, a lot of church retention, those revivals can be great experiences that, that grow people's passion regarding it. Um, but then also um, think about how your um, your how your how you're talking about revival. If you're asking people to not be uh, have it hold up under scrutiny, there's something wrong with the theology of it. I think this is great. So I guess the way I see revival is typically I see it. What people say is is typically a worship service, sure, um, of high emotion for yeah. a lot of people. So. I guess I think the analogy of marriage is really, really good here. Hmm. At least that it makes sense in my mind. Um, worship services are great. They're wonderful. We need them. Uh, high emotion is great. We yeah. need those times when we, we get lost in our emotions and feel something great. But to me, those are the um, exceptions to the norm. Mm -hmm. Meaning if I look at my marriage with my wife, I love going out on a romantic date mm -hmm. and dressing up and taking her and, and feeling those high emotions again and and and, uh, and being somewhere romantic and going on a trip. Those are the minority of my experience being married. Mm -hmm. The majority of my experience being married is not choosing to love her when we're both dressed up, wearing makeup, on our best behavior at a nice hotel and a beautiful restaurant. My The 99% of my life uh, as a married person mm -hmm is waking up every day and choosing to serve her while she chooses to serve me, of loving her as we're sitting there in our pajamas doing work and cleaning the house. Of And that makes a life. And that's the majority of the life, but it's a really good one. And I love being married. And the, the high emotions are maintenance to that relationship, but they are not the basis of that relationship. And so I, the same thing applies to me when I think about the spiritual walk, mm -hmm. that high emotion times inside of a, um, a worship service or, or whatever it might be, are maintenance to your spiritual walk and they're refreshing and they're good. Mm -hmm. But the majority of your spiritual walk is going to be every day getting up and choosing to follow Jesus as you forgive people, as you love people, as you're generous, as you choose to be kind, as you choose not to say that thing back or comment that thing, as you choose to give your money away, as you choose to be honest at work when no one else is. Those are the every day as you choose to read your bible and actually spend time praying to him those are the, the the majority of your relationship and walk with god and if you only if we're only focusing on as a church only focusing on god being present in those high emotion times and we put all of our focus on that then we're giving people a false um advertisement what christianity is and as soon as those highs dissipate they'll be gone and so that's what i worry about the revival talk I'm all for revival, but do you know where I see revival take place inside an Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. meeting? Mm. People come every single week and choose yeah. to do one step further and fail and try again. Do you know where I see revival happening? Is when we go out and we continually give to the people in our lives and mm -hmm. listen. Do you know where I see revival happening is in therapy rooms mm. where people go week after week after week for years and there's no emotional highs and it's yeah. just digging through the stuff in your life that hurts and becoming a more whole person as God puts you back together through the act of therapy uh, or, or giving food to the hungry. So that is where I see revival happening. And I'm worried that as a church, if we focus on only on these things where you get pats on the back and there's celebrities there and everyone's talking about it and there's pictures and it's high emotion that we are doing a disservice to both the people who might become Christians and the people who already are. Um, because we're promising, we're promising that the bachelor date will mm. be the entirety of the relationship and that it will be the thing that will, um, that it will be substantiated on. And yeah. I think that's a dangerous thing to do. And I think it's also a dishonest thing to do. Um, so I, 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 I really like that shift of focus. Cause I, that's the thing is the, um, what is promised is that this will be the fuel for, yeah. um, this, 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 the emotional aspect uh, the extreme feeling of emotion um, will be the fuel for uh, the daily Christian walk. And uh, like I said, the bachelor experience, it doesn't actually work. Um, the, whereas it's like, if we, if we solve the problem of getting people to feel intensely emotionally devoted to God, then the rest will take care of itself. Essentially, you know, um, when, 
in a sense, the, the reverse is true. If we can solve the problem of getting people to, through an act of will, deciding, yes, I'm going to take this daily walk, then the emotions will will come. At least that, that, that's the way it seems to play out in by all evidence. Um, and as some, and, and the analogy of romance and, and marriage is really good because what people have told me about you know getting married because as a single person you get a lot of advice about that um is believe it or not not just from you um, unsolicited is my yes exactly yes but very much appreciated most of the time 90 percent <laughs> of the time um what is that um is that marriage you marry somebody who you enjoy doing the ordinary things with that yeah. is like you like shopping with them you like, you know, going doing grocery shopping. You like doing all the day-to-day activities because that's be ninety percent of your life, you know. And so, what you want in your religion, your Christianity, your whatever, is um, for people to enjoy the day-to-day disciplines, not the emotional highs, because the emotional highs are good and they will come. And you know, and if it's just dreariness, if there are no date nights, like that's a problem. But what you need is for ninety percent of your life to be that you actually love the day-to-day that those things are not happening. Um, and so, again, this is not an episode where I have answers on how how do we, you know, inspire that in our family and our friends and their cultures. Like, I don't have all the answers to that, but I think that that's the questions we should be asking, and that's where we should be focusing a lot more of our energy than on revival. Um, that's sort of where well, I And where this I is the on it. last thing yeah. I'll kind of say you can wrap and agree us up. with you and carry that on a little bit. I would encourage one churches and individuals um, revivals fine. And by that, I mean, church uh, worship services are great. They're fun. But what I would encourage you to see is don't spend more time praising, hoping for, hmm. and waiting for a big emotional event with lo- lots of people. Don't praise that only praise the person who, who said, I'm, I haven't had a cigarette this week. Hmm. Praise the person who said, I put the bottle down and, and I, it's hard. Praise hmm. the person who said, I started therapy. Those are the things to celebrate. And it might not happen in millions of people. It might happen in one person that you know. But those deserve as much celebration as the emotionally heightened concert um, worship experience that we see um, people talk about in magazines. And in fact, those are, to me, even in the, I would hazard a guess, but without guessing them, who can know the mind of the Lord, um, I would hazard a guess <laughs> Me. are more, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> are more, uh, that God gets more pleasure out of watching someone change their life one step at a time mm-hmm. in the difficult Jewish journey that isn't flashy or emotional than he does out of one person who in a moment of emotion um, uh, has a lot of fun and praises him, but I think he more pleasure out of the person who chooses to follow him every single day um, when it's hard and doesn't feel yeah. good. One step at a time, one punch at a time, one round at a time. And so as church and people, I would love if we can celebrate and focus more on lifting up and praising, uh, not praising in a, in a religious way, but uh, yeah. acknowledging and, and rewarding, clapping for, applauding the people who take those everyday small revivals where they keep on turning back to God and they keep on stepping mm-hmm. towards to him rather than spending all of our time praising the, the worship concerts that got a lot of attention on social media. Yeah. So yeah. that would be where my suggestion is both are good. One is maintenance to the journey. Um, it's not the entire journey and the journey is the one we should be focusing on. Yeah. Discipleship over revival, I guess the focus should be on Discipleship over revival. Um, I also actually say, yeah. and I, I, I thought faithfulness. That's a, faithfulness. That that's a, also you. I wanted to leave that as like the last thing, give you the last word there, but I will just. But I realized a lot of the things when you see examples in scripture of revival happening. What's interesting is that it doesn't typically look like the revivals that we see here. What it is seems to be that you'll have somebody, a group of individuals, or a government official who will see things going really badly. And then they'll look at the scripture and say, oh, we've not been following God. <laughs> Jeremiah. And, yeah. Yep. Oh, oh, shoot. We've not been following God. Well, I guess we ought to do that now. Um, and it very rarely starts with the emotional thing. It start usually starts with the kind of, oh, we've not. And then a, a bunch of actions that follow that. So maybe. Yes. So that's. Um, so, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, 
But anyway, again, if you guys listen to this and you think that we got something wrong or you think, well, the way they're describing revival doesn't describe how I define or experience revival, please let us know, you know, argue with us. We love we love to be argued with, explain how we're wrong. Some of those people who argue with us even end up on our show to defend their point. So definitely let us know Um, or let us know if we got things completely right, which, you know, we always like hearing that, too. Um, But uh, (laughs) on that point, um, let's go on to the um, blesses and curses where we uh, take a work of art, media or resource uh, on our topic and then. uh, rec- either recommend it, i.e. bless it, or um, uh, push it away and say, no, uh, not today, Satan. Uh, I have our cursing. So, um, Nathan, uh, what are your blesses and or curses for today? All right. Uh, um, let me pull up me old notes. Okay, so I'm going to bless, <laughs> as I've been harping on over and over again to many people's annoyance, I'm sure, about this idea of that that the faith journey isn't a moment um, in a worship service that's a long life filled with choices towards God. There's a great book by someone who actually wrote a great book on Jeremiah, which is called Running with the Horses, which you should all read. Um, but a guy by the name of, of many of you know him, Eugene Peterson, he did the message version translation of the Bible, um, but he did much more than that. He was a pastor, he's a minister, he's a theologian, mm-hmm. and he wrote a beautiful, beautiful book called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't even really have to explain the book. The title does it all for <laughs> is you. Is it about long but obedience in the same direction? <laughs> yes. The may surprise you. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, that title and the book that is based off of that title and explores it, that is what revival is to me. That, that is my Nathan definition of revival, mm. which is long obedience in the same direction. Explores this idea of obeying God for a long time mm-hmm. over your entire life, and that's what makes up um, a life of God, not an emotional high. It is the everyday choice when you get up. It is Paul saying, "I die daily mm-hmm. um, to the, the the old flesh." It is getting up and making that choice, and it's not always going to feel like it. You're not going to feel worshipful. You're not going to feel God near you, but it's choosing to get up and continue on that journey towards God as you follow Jesus. And you know, this is something we see in the life of someone like um, Mother Teresa, who we were talking about a little bit yeah. earlier. Mother Teresa is someone who lived this out. Right. She had a, a, a long obedience in the same direction. And if you read her journals, I guess I'll bless her, you know, reading her journals. Yeah. This woman is filled with doubt and struggle. And God, are you there? Um, this woman who changed the world and is known. I mean, she's even the punchline of jokes as, you know, we say, oh, as known as being the godly person. Yes, All yes. she talks about in her journals is I don't feel you near God. Mm. And that's insane to me because. We have so equated a godly life with a high emotion. And here you have this woman who is the picture of a godly life. And she is talking about how she has no emotion. She doesn't feel God. She doubts his presence, but she still acts in obedience towards him. That to me, oh my gosh, that is revival. That the, I would mm-hmm. ra- have rather have that than revival. Mm-hmm. And I think that God has asked that as well. And so, um, yes, emotions are great and they're fun but they're just punctuations and a long obedience in the same direction. So read the book. It's really fantastic. It'll explore these themes I've been talking about more. Um, I got to curse a movie and and I don't want to curse the filmmakers because I they might've made it with good intention. And I'm going to assume that it's a documentary and it's been out a while ago, but there's been a few since. And I think there's a new one coming out, but it's called the Holy ghost. It's a documentary made by some Christian, Christian team. And essentially the documentary set out to prove um the validity of the holy spirit by things like revival by things like mm-hmm. healings by things so basically we can prove that god is real um by by showing the magic uh the magic tricks that happens the problem is that's great by the way i believe yeah god can do miracles of course yeah the problem is if we base all of our understanding and belief in god off of uh, the magic tricks quote mm-hmm. um I, I think it's a dangerous thing to do um because as soon as we find out they're not real, we're going to start doubting God's existence. Mm-hmm. If our if our hope for Him existing is based off of magic, essentially, and the the documentary basically goes around trying to have different people perform magic tricks under the a different name, which is um, the Holy Spirit did this. Problem is, w- many of the people they use are 
false. They're yeah. they're no they charlatans. To be yeah, charlatans. There's a guy named Todd White, and um, I don't think too many people are going to be upset with me over this. <laughs> um, Todd White is a guy who's basically made a career off of claiming the Holy Spirit and performing fake miracles. Um, one of which I think is really, and they and they show this in the documentary as evidence of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, one of which is leg lengthening, which is a practice that dates back to the turn of the 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 twentieth, mm-hmm. uh, the beginning of the twentieth century. Um, so, one hundred and twenty mm-hmm. odd years ago, when people in the old west would have this trick where they would lengthen the leg of someone to prove that their snake oil worked. This is real. You can look mm-hmm. it up. This has been going on for over a hundred years where people use this practice to prove snake oil Mm -hmm. and we're using the same practice to prove um, the Holy spirit. And I'm going, that's so detrimental Mm -hmm. because again, it's basing the entire validity of a Christian life and belief off of some um, one event and two uh, that causes high emotion and two it's false. And it's not what the actual Christian life looks like. And so it makes me crazy to watch documentaries like this when they when that is a definition of my faith all you're doing is giving the atheists the secular world uh you're proving every one of their worst assumptions right when you have to prove um god by this emotionalistic uh fake false betrayal of magic all you're doing is proving them right and you're basing your faith in something that's that shouldn't be it shouldn't be based in and will only fall apart based in the true longevity of faithfulness that we see in the words of eugene peterson so yeah that's my blessing curse yeah i'll say if 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 um if you prove that you are are gullible enough to fall for um you know known uh you know tricks you know known deceptions people are going to have good reason to doubt the validity of the resurrection you know yes uh so like be careful about that uh so very careful <laughs> um so yes uh i'll say uh to that point because you, you cursed that documentary i'm just gonna briefly bless the documentary send proof which is about a sort of an analytical pentecostal christian which you don't see a lot of those the other but sort of a analytical <laughs> yeah. thinking documentary filmmaker um making a film about the struggle of trying to like you know uh whether or not you can believe in miracles and it's rational and whether, and the attempt to prove miracles or show evidence of actual miracles today. And, you know, I, I, I think it's a really responsible documentary because he really wrestles with those questions and the difficulty of it. And um, he kind of lets you make up your own mind, but goes through the process of kind of, of doing and asks all the skeptical questions um, and, and shows those people, those, those charlatans and like shows, Hey, like this is, this is fake, you know, is it all fake? Well, how would you know? How would you prove that? And I think that that's, so people want an actual responsible look at that, you know, from a Christian Pentecostal even perspective. I definitely recommend that one. I also, you know, bless this is again a classic of mine. Um, you know, the list of movies that are faith based that talk about subjects I care about um, that I think are good is very small. Uh, so I do return to some every <laughs> once in a while. Um, but uh, it's Believe Me, which is a sort of a satire. Really good of, film. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a sort of a satire of. Um, Christian subculture, an affectionate one, sort of pre-Babylon B, you know, kind of that that vein about um, some college students that are trying to uh, scam Christians with a fake charity pretending to be Christians. And so you get a, a, a chance to kind of wrestle with the whole idea of what what is manipulation, what's emotion, and what's not, what's authentic faith, and what's mm. authentic, what does it look like? You know, even if you don't like how they land on those things, they actually wrestle with it in an honest way. And I really like it. I think it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good film. Um, one of the better Christian comedies. And a there. loving way. Yes, it's a not loving just way. ripping apart Christian. No. It's lo- lovingly critiquing something they actually have an affection yeah. for. No, yeah, these are Christians making it. It's like a, you know, and 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 it's and it's loving and it's and they they critique the skeptics of Christianity just as strongly, actually even stronger in in, in many ways, particularly at the end. Um but uh by the so way, yes. it got roundly crit- criticized by Christians and rejected. Um, because Christians are really bad at taking even a little bit of critique <laughs> well, about it's, our it's, culture. It's funny. It's funny. They it got roundly criticized by Christians and secular people. Um, it was it, you know it was like, it was like yeah. okay, I that's where I'm kind of like okay, you know that there's maybe some bias against Christian stories in, in the, the the secular world yeah. as as well sometimes. So it's like even Looks the good like ones. Everyone's equally as biased. Great. I know. Yeah. Strange, right? <laughs> um, anyway, so. 
I'm also going to bless a book that I'm actually in the process of reading. Maybe I'll find the last couple chapters. It's evil and I have to curse it. But right, it is talk. It's a book called um, <laughs> Handing Down the Faith. And it is talking about um, American religious parents and how they instill values in their children. And it has a bunch of data on sort of some of the best practices and the ways that that's um, actually are effective in passing down faith to their children. So I, that's something I'm passionate about right now. It's like, if you're actually looking about like, Oh, how does this actually transfer generationally? Um, that's a book I think so far, it seems like a really excellent book um, to read on this topic. Uh, cursing. Okay. So I'm going to um, curse oh first. I know. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to curse the movie Jesus revolution which um <gasps> i know yes which i know makes me a bad christian and and we gotta have one of the Irwin or the kendricks one of these days to defend themselves yes but the they're all nice guys we've met them, them they're kind <laughs> we, we are never cursing people i just want to know yeah 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 i curse no, never cursing people. That's and again, I will say, I will even say, <laughs> I don't hate everything about the Jesus Revolution movie. There are things about it that I like. I have artistic okay. critiques and I have artistic praises. I think, you know, um, uh, I think Kelsey Grammer and Jonathan Rumi um, as their- is my uh, favorite. Yeah. I know, yes. <laughs> it's exactly, it's like them as Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee are two of the best parts of the movie, as are their scenes together. Um, I think there are storytelling problems at, that I've talked about in the article, but I- I do have a real problem with the message because everything we've been saying about the problem of the of revivals and the conversation around revivals is in this movie where it promises and not only promises but the but the interviews with all the people who are behind the movie are promising you know here's you know here's what happened during the Jesus movement it caused a revival that brought lots of people to Christ and if you want to solve the problems of culture today, you should do what he did then. It's like, yeah, but the Jesus movement like didn't move the needle in the way that you're claiming it's going to move the needle today. It It's, I don't want to say all. it's in, yeah, exactly. No, again, like look at the chart. It's like, the it just keeps going down with no bump. The needle um, did not move. Yeah. And so I, I, so I, it, it's, whether it's in, I don't believe it's intentionally dishonest. <laughs> But it is bearing false witness, and unintentionally, at least. Oh, <laughs> he said it not. No, you know what? I I called the marketing. Um, yeah, manipulative earlier. But, so but, yeah, gonna... you, you called you you called the money changers. So like, you know, you're in this with me. If I go down, you are going down with me. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do my apology now. I'm sorry. I take back everything I said. <laughs> so um, I, I would say, look, if if the if if uh, I would love to have you know. I talked about this actually with Brett McCorkle. If you want to like, you know, go search on the religion unplugged podcast and YouTube channel. I discussed this issue that I had with, 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 with the movie and, and we had a good conversation about it. So, you know, um, but I think that that, uh, that to me is a reason enough to, to say, I I'm putting this in the curse category for Jesus revolution, even though I like things about it. Um, just to be fair, I am, well, not just to be fair, but also it's true. I am going to actually curse another controversial one that Hollywood made called Elmer Gantry back okay, in like the sixties. Even yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Which it was, and it's just, the problem is again, they kind of wanted to have it both ways. They really didn't want to like, they wanted to condemn Christianity outright, but they didn't want to like, you know, they didn't end revivals, but they didn't want to go all the way with it. They're they're kind of like mean but cowardly in it. Yeah. And 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 just that didn't just make it sort of like cowardly in a message way. It kind of made it cowardly artistically to me. Now, maybe you can argue that they had to work with, you know, the moral, the uh, the the Hayes code, work within the Hayes code and stuff like that. But other movies have done the same kind of critique while working within the Hayes code so I think you can't really give them them that I think they just it's it's it, I I think I was I was watching it looking for something that like a good movie about this and I was very disappointed so I'm gonna curse that mm. movie for there too as well so anyway um hopefully you don't all don't love us less after this episode <laughs> um like I said my disclaimer we we're open to being wrong yes well, but that's the thing. And this is the thing I love about, I think is a good model for Christian community. We're saying what we honestly think, and we're basing it on scripture and our understanding of reality. And now it's up to you guys to show us how we're wrong. And yes, if, yes. And if you, we are open to being wrong, if, we are not, look, yeah. if I, you've, if you're, if you show me how I'm wrong, 
then I will gladly be, get on the revival train. Amen. I want, we'll have, you know, we will have a episode. As soon as we're wrong, we will put out an episode and just say we were totally wrong about this. Yeah. Now <laughs> here what, what we're we like just do episodes like were we wrong about revival? You know, and then do yeah. something. <laughs> you know, That's but, what I love uh, about this this show is we're we are fine being wrong. And we yes. probably if we do this long enough, you will hear an episode from the beginning and then an episode four years down the line be like they literally talk about the same thing and have totally different opinions on it. Yes, yeah, and as long as it's justified by the evidence and the arguments, yes, like that is that is are it's thinking deeply not the conclusions we come to that's important to us yes so anyway but yeah cool well thank you this for everybody who stuck with us and enjoy and hopefully enjoyed this and got or at least got a lot to think about um so nathan if people want to uh engage with us more or want to engage with you more and the stuff that you're putting out um and find your work uh, where can they go well, first, if you want to engage with us more, you can go to the overthinkersjournal.com. We can find out more about your hosts and send us all of your love and hate mail. I imagine we'll get some on this one. Uh, <laughs> yes. You can also uh, talk about all the issues we talk about here on our private group, the Overthinkers on Facebook. So head over there. If you want to engage with me and what I'm doing and read more of my work, um, you can head to nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. You can also read a new article I just put out uh, with mm. Religion Unplugged. Um, it's called Why is the Church in Hollywood at War? So mm. I explore that, which has a lot to do with what we're talking about today. You can also get my newest book, Finding God in Hollywood, anywhere books are sold. Joseph? Awesome. Yes. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to josephholmstudios.com you can also go i'm on all the socials you can find my work including my controversial review of the jesus revolution on religionunplugged.com um you can uh also um also again if you want to discuss more where i actually talk about to uh, a couple of very pro revival people um at the um Alyssa's movie takes deep dive does jesus revolution have a model or warning about revival so if you want to see somebody push back on on some of the things i said uh you can um uh watch watch that uh, then also um you can uh yeah also i have my work is also on relevant.com so you can uh can check out my work there uh yes so well thank you everybody so much for joining uh and remember if it's worth thinking about it's worth overthinking about mm-hmm.